What's that place you've always wanted to try? While well, you're there, sharing plates with just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Autumn is in the air. Time for back to school, football games, and pumpkin lattes. Fall is also a great time to buy or sell a car online at driveway.com. Welcome to Driveway, where you can feel completely in control of your car buying or selling experience. Our nationwide network with tens of thousands of vehicles is unmatched. And when you buy from Driveway, there's no pressure. We offer our best price up front. That's Driveway, a customer-friendly experience that makes buying or selling your car easy. Driveway. Auto done easy. One of the things I love the most about this podcast is the ability to talk about a variety of different topics and subjects with so many wonderful people. Today's guest is Joe Beth Evans, and we discuss the transition from high school to college, a really important, important time in the lives of young people and their parents. Joe Beth brings a really wonderful perspective to transitioning into college and really focusing on the social element as much as the academic part of it. Also, you'll be introduced to many different ways to find scholarships for your kids. With the increasing price of college, it's very important to know the information that's out there for you and how you can make it much more affordable for you and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Beth Evans. Well, we're back again, this time with Joe Beth Evans. Joe Beth, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, we had a good conversation on the phone, I think, a while back, and I was pretty pumped about that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I was excited about it too. Um, it, you know, it was just one of those one of those things. Sometimes you talk to people and you can tell right off the bat that there, there is not a connection. Maybe you don't have a lot in common. And then um, every once in a while, you find somebody that you're, you're like, oh yeah, me and this person, we get each other. There's definitely a connection. And I think that was definitely there when we spoke. I think so too. And, you know, I wanted to jump right in. Like, I don't think we talked about this a ton when we were talked off here, but I believe you're doing work with like colleges and prepping people on some level. I would love to hear more about that and then just see where we go from there, you know? Yeah. So I do college success coaching and I work primarily with females because that is what I know best. Um, I do um, occasionally work with some male students, but for the most part, it's females. And what I do is help them with the transition from high school to college and then help them to make that college experience as good as it possibly can be. And the reason I started doing this was because as as a college student, I experienced a lot of stress and anxiety and ended up actually having an anxiety attack at college. Um, I thought at the time that it was a heart attack, which it's kind of like funny now looking back, it wasn't funny then. Um, and you know, I went to the doctor yeah. a couple days later and he was like, it was this old man. He was like 70 and he was like, Joe Beth, you didn't have a heart attack. You're, you're 20 years old. I think it was 21. Maybe, yeah, maybe I was just <laughs> 21 and in healthy looking. Um, I wasn't as healthy as I thought I was, um, looking back, but, um, 
he was like, you're healthy. You didn't have a heart attack, but he's like, I'm going to do an EKG just to like show you that you didn't have a heart attack. And I was like, okay. And like, it's just, it just seems kind of funny now. But so he did. And he's like, okay, like you didn't have a heart attack and you had an anxiety attack. And he said, here's three things that you can do. And it was, you know, start working out, eat right and find some way to relieve your stress. And I wasn't doing any of those things because, um, I was a athlete my first two years of college and I had built in friends. I had built in study groups. I was at a junior college. So my teachers were very similar to, uh, parents. They were very personal, very loving. Um, it was a very intimate relationship that you had with them. And, um, then I went to the university of Arkansas, which is a fantastic college. That's where I teach now. Um, but I was one of like 25,000 and I didn't play basketball there. And I, I felt very alone. Um, I was in college, so I was, you know, didn't have money. Um, and I was studying and commuting and all this stuff. And I just had a lot of, you know, and sometimes stress and anxiety doesn't even have a reason per se. So, um, I experienced that and I really felt like I was the only one. But then when I started teaching at the university, I started, you know, in the introductory speeches, I started having more and more students, um, female students in particular, and maybe males feel it too, but they're not comfortable enough to say it. Maybe I'm not sure, but, um, I started Mm -hmm. noticing my female students saying, I have anxiety. I have, I, I'm really stressed out or I have a lot on my plate. Like they tell me, they like warn me up front that this is something that they're dealing with. And as a college instructor, there's only so much I can do. I always reach out and try to help, but, um, it's definitely not, that's not where they're coming to for help. <laughs> and so, um, I, you know, I offer, yeah. offer what I can, but it just seemed like every semester there was more and more and more and, um, people getting, being more open about it, which I think the media has done a great job of helping people feel comfortable with um, reaching out and being like, Hey, I have anxiety, like, you know, like ever, most everybody else, but, um, they've just started talking about it more. And I'm like, you know what, like looking back on my college experience, I didn't, I didn't need to like being stressed did not serve me at all. Um, it caused me to be very miserable and, and not enjoy my experience. I took classes, the easiest classes possible, possible to try to ease the stress, which the content of the classes was not what was hard. And I think a lot of times when we go to, we do college prep, like somebody thinks college prep, they're thinking, ACT, how to study, all these academic things that that are important, like they're important. But um, typically what I'm seeing with students is not that the academics are hard. It's everything outside of the academics that are challenging, but ultimately end up affecting them academically. And so I see that and I'm like, somebody's got to do something about this. And then, you know, I've always had the personality like, if not me, then who, (laughs) like, who's going to, who's going to do it. Yeah. So, um, I, I became a certified life coach. Um, I am also certified in harm reduction and addiction recovery because that was an interest early on. Um, but, but typically I just work with people now who are making that transition to college and then helping them throughout that experience. And it's fun and exciting and it's super relevant right now more than any time before. Tell me a little bit about the climate we're in and college uh, entrance. I mean, it would seem to be a huge time of change with coronavirus and 
people um, and students, high school students, you know, now are left without graduations mm-hmm. from high school in many places. And then the thought process of going to college, will it be online? Will it be in person? Take me through how you've dealt with that with students. Right. So, you know, you said online, or is it going to be online or is it going to be in person? Like we have uh, so many students who don't even know how they're going to be attending college in the fall. And um, a lot of students, I spoke with a girl today who had been working for the past four years to achieve, I I don't know exactly what what the title of it was, but some title where she would get to come participate in a special orientation. She would live in a special dorm room. She would have special activities um, because of her achievements all throughout high school. And all of these things were studying in Greece. Um, was the big one. Uh, oh, man. That, yeah. And all these things that she's worked for the last four years, um, this first semester, at least potentially, she may not get to experience that. And so we have students that, you know, are having that experience. We have college or high school athletes who, you know, were expected to win state this year and didn't even get to go play. Um, so that's really hard. And the hardest part is that it's so unknown. I know a lot of colleges are talking about being online. And I think that what's most important when, um, I'm talking to these students is helping them to find joy in what's happening right now, because ultimately we, we cannot change what's going on. And we also can't predict it here in Arkansas, where I'm at, um, they're looking at, so they're starting to loosen up some of the restrictions starting next month. And so we don't know if that's going to look like they're going to get to go to graduation or not. Um, or even mm. if they loosen restrictions and then pull them back. Like, so we can't really be planning on, Oh, I can't wait for this to happen or can't wait for that to happen. But what they can do is, you know, identify what's stressing them out, what's causing them to be anxious and then working to find gratitude and joy in what's happening now, and then make a plan and set some goals for how they're going to live out, you know, the next, you know, the next five, six months, whatever that may look like. So that's definitely what I'm encouraging them to do, because we cannot make, we cannot make plans for something that we don't know. And, you know, telling them, you know, let's find joy in the fact that you may be online next semester. So that way, if they are online next semester, they can find joy in that. And they already know how they're going to find joy in that. And if they go back to school on, on campus, then, you know, everything's back to the way they thought it was before and they can be excited and face new challenges (laughs) with being on campus. Yeah. So, um, that's really where I'm directing their minds and their thoughts right now. Are you having any pushback from students or like, I mean, you're telling them this stuff, but they're still maybe push resisting you about it? Right. Of course. Like, I don't know so much if they're like, like, that's a horrible idea. Like, why would I want to find joy? <laughs> like, I don't think it's that, but I think yeah. that a lot of times it doesn't matter what we're doing or who we are. There's things that we want to believe in so bad. And we try so hard to believe that something is true but we don't feel it in our bodies to be true. And so I think that is what is the hardest is like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds really great. Um, so now I'm going to go in my room and I'm still going to be thinking about how I just went to school for the past 13 years and don't even get to walk across stage Mm -hmm. and people clap for five seconds. 
for me. You know, like I don't even get that. So I think the, the pushback is not like deliberately coming from them, um, in their, in the idea of it, but it's just the, what the feeling of it in their body that they're going to, going to have to, um, deal with that. And it, it's just like, uh, mourning the loss of someone, um, they, they're going to have to go through the, the stages of mourning and realizing that, you know, this yeah. sucks and that they can wallow in that, this sucks attitude for a while. And they can do that. And I think that's super healthy for them to feel their feelings. Um, and some of them may not be right. ready yet to be excited about what's coming up. They may still want to, to be wallowing in the sadness. And like I said, that's fine. Um, it's not fine for very long. Like <laughs> I wouldn't want them to yeah. still be there yeah, in a month. Um, but if they're, you know, once graduation passes and they make final decisions, like they have to move through that mourning process, just like we do with anything else that we uh, mourn the loss of. Um, and, you know, I think that that's just all in their timing, but also knowing that, you know, there are people like myself and, um, and counselors and, and other motivational people that are here. So like when you're ready, when you're done being super sad about this, which is totally legit, when you're ready, we are here and we're going to help you get to wherever you want to be. If you're ready to be over it and move on and get excited about something else, like, like I'm here and I'm waiting for you whenever, whenever you're ready. And I think that's important for students and parents to both know is that like, I feel like as parents, um, whatever problem our kid has, um, we carry it and we carry it heavy. Like yeah. it is our sole responsibility to make everything in their life. Okay. Um, and I'm not mocking that it is like true. It is like, I, that's how I feel with my own children. Yeah. That's how yeah. other people feel like, Oh gosh, you're sad. Like, what can I do? Like, it's not like, what can the world do? What can somebody else do for you? It's all about me. What can I do to help you? And so I just want parents to know too, that like, it's not their sole responsibility to make this all okay. And if they want to um, put that on someone else to deal with, like there's people out there that are more than willing and ready to help your child find joy in this time period. What do you say about, you know, I'm sure there's some people who may say, hey, you know, if I have to go to I was expecting this college experience and meet all these new people and things of that nature. And now it's going to be potentially virtually uh, virtual about students saying they're going to skip their freshman year, like take a gap year or whatever. And because they don't feel like it will be the experience that they actually wanted to have or how do universities deal with that in the sense there's some students also saying that, why should I pay full price for this university experience when I'm getting not even close to the experience that I would be getting. Mm, that's a that's a great question. So my personal response would be that yes, you know, you expect to get that experience when you go to college. And for starters, this is not a permanent thing. And the universities want the students back on the campuses as quickly as possible, um, and and they will have them back on campus as soon as it's safe. Um, so don't think about this as being, so those, for those students who are saying like, I'm going to take a gap year. It's not, why do I have to pay a full price? Like this is very temporary. Um, this could, you know, potentially be just a semester. And so you don't want to get behind everybody else behind in your schooling, potentially lose scholarships. Um, you don't want to miss this because like, for me, I'm thinking like, yeah, these seniors, like they missed their senior year. 
but like what a piece of history, you know, and these students that are, are only looking at this as a negative thing, like you're going to get to tell your grandkids someday when they're reading about COVID-19 in the history books, like you're going to, get to be like, yeah, like my first semester of college was online because we weren't even allowed to go to, to onto campus. And there, there are still a lot of ways too for students to experience, um, um, you know, the socialization part of, of college without going there. They may have to head it up. They may have to be a little more inventive and creative and be like, oh, I want to join a sorority and we're not pledging. Um, What can I be doing between now and then, you know, between now and the time that we do this to, um, to be ready for that? Or could I reach out to the college and see if we could do some kind of um, online networking thing where we can go ahead and, um, and rush, but do it in an online setting. Like things are so, so new. And I think for students who are just like taking a negative approach and wanting to just step back away from it and like not be a part of it, like that's not an option. Like you can't just not be a part of this. It's not, it's not a choice or we, a lot of us would be opting out. Right. So like go ahead and do what you've planned to do. Don't let this, this thing keep you from moving forward with your goals. If you want to take a gap year because you don't know what you want to study, or you're not sure if you even want to go to college, I think gap years are fantastic. And I was talking to a client about that yesterday that, you know, if you, you know, you think college may be a waste of time and money, but your parents want you to go then maybe you should take a gap year if you think college is a waste of money. Um, Don't jump into it. But if you're wanting to take a gap year just because of the coronavirus, like you really need to rethink that and think about how awesome you could make this experience and what opportunities are going to lie within doing your first semester online. Yeah, you know, you brought up a few things and I'm like, oh, these are lightning rod issues. These are things that are very interesting to me, but I think a lot of people, but we'll kind of bounce around on them. So one, the topic of the increasing costs of college and education, I think is very interesting because college seems to be getting more and more expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm i 42 as of yesterday, as you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that. Yes, happy birthday. And I... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, when I went to college, you know, 18 to 22-ish around there, like it was pretty cheap, mm-hmm. honestly. It wasn't that expensive. And now I see these prices for the schools. I'm like, mm-hmm. how is that possible? Talk to me a little bit about that, the increase in the, the seems like never ending increase in the cost of college. And the experience and what students are get out of it. Because I, I mean, I loved college. I think most people should go, mm-hmm. honestly. I'm not even talking about the educational piece, which was great. It was the learning to live on my own piece. That mm-hmm. was the best part about it. And a, an environment where I could make mistakes and the co- the risks were low. The cost right. was low on that. But maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So anytime you talk about college, like especially with parents. Um, money is their biggest concern. Okay. So with females, safety is their biggest concern. Number two is money. And how can I send my kid to college and how am I going to afford this? And will I still be able to retire, you know, at the same time as I wanted to, if I send them to college. Um, and I think, yes, colleges are expensive. I am not certain why 
they keep getting more expensive. Um, I have my theories that are not research based, <laughs> so I'm going to keep those to myself. Right, right. But um, I got a lot of theories too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, I I think that um, you know colleges are businesses in a lot, in a sense, and they're trying to make money. And as they are making more money, they get to improve the experience of the student. And so those, a lot of times, like, for example, for an online student, you still pay a lot of the fees that you do if you go on campus. And I think that that's just something that those students know going into it. And if you're not okay with that, well, you can either not go to college or you can go on campus and enjoy that experience. So, you know, anytime as, you know, college probably looks a lot different than it did when you were there. There probably wasn't um, oh my gosh. big screen TVs in the lobby and nice, comfortable chairs and, no. and computers no. everywhere you look and printers where you could print your stuff in a, a library with every book imaginable in it. Um, so I think that's where a lot of the money goes and it's to improve the student experience. And so there are cheaper options for college. And I think a lot of times students think that like, I'm going to go big or go home and I'm going to go to the biggest school. I'm going to take out the biggest loan. I'm very against student loans, very against student loans. Um, I did not take out loans for college and I don't encourage anybody to do that. So, um, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but Students, um, they're, they're just saying, you know, like they go where they want to go. They're taking out loans. And then, so you talked about college initially being expensive. Um, college is really expensive when you're still paying on it and you're 30, 40, 50 years old. That's yeah. when college gets real expensive because then you're doubling and tripling what it initially cost to, um, <laughs> to still pay for your, to pay for your college. And then a lot of people take out these loans and they, um, don't even work in the field that they have their degree in. So yes, college is getting more expensive, but there are so many scholarships out there. When I worked at high school, I was working with a particular student and he did not have enough money to go to college. Like, um, he didn't have a car or live close to college. And like, he was going to have to get a lot of scholarships in order to go. And, um, he, I was like on his case. And so I told him to turn in a scholarship application. And then I went to the office to make sure he had turned it in. And it was a big, a bigger scholarship. It was like 500 or a thousand dollars. It was a one-time, one-time thing, but it would have paid for somebody's books for a semester or two. And out of um, a high school of 180 seniors, four people had applied for that. And, um, wow. because they look, they're looking at the, the big number the you know, 25, 50,000, depending on where they're going. And they're like, what's $500 in the grand scheme of things. And so a lot of times students just aren't taking advantage of the money that's there. There is so much free money out there. For- that's what I hear about. Yeah. I oh, hear about this all handed? the time, all this free money, yeah. you know? Yeah, you're left-handed. You can get a scholarship for left-handed people. Did your Did no. you have a parent that passed away? Yeah, I'm serious. Um, like if you've lost a parent, or you've went through some kind of tribulation, or you were ever in the foster care system, or um, you know you had a have family who may be Native Indian. I mean, like it's in or your family is poor. Um, I grew up and I did not consider myself to be poor. And I looked at a lot of these scholarships for students who were maybe underprivileged or parents made under a certain amount of money. And the life I was living, I was like, oh, we don't qualify for that. Like, 
my parents do way too good to qualify. But um, my parents were farmers. And because of the farm, when everything calculated, I got a lot of money from the government to go to college, not loans, but, but mu- just money. And um, we have the lottery scholarship here in Arkansas. And a lot of states have something similar where if you, your parents make under a certain amount of money a year, um, they will pay like, I think it's like um, $2,000 a semester, which is almost covers your tuition at most schools. So, um, you know, students, people are looking at, yes, college is super expensive and it is, um, the experience is pretty extravagant too, but, um, but we can't just look at the amount of money it costs. I think that it's part of the student's responsibility to seek out those sources, um, that for the, the scholarships, the websites, the in, in your, inside their schools, um, at the universities, at the colleges, most students here in Arkansas can go to a junior college for free for the first two years because they will qualify for enough scholarships to go for free. Very few kids have to pay for, or students have to pay for their first two years if they go to a junior college, but they don't want to go to a junior college, (laughs) you know, and that's the other thing. It's the status, right? Like the status aspect of it, right? Yeah. So I I don't want to say I'm going to a junior college. And I get it. I played basketball at a junior college, um, pushed my signing day back, kept pushing it back, 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 because I didn't want to go to a JUCO. I was like, I'm better than that. Like, so cocky. Um, and <laughs> I thought I was too good to go there. And what happened was um, I went and heard some motivational speaker at this um, awards banquet thing that the state of Arkansas was having for athletes. And um he was just talking about, you know, taking the opportunities that you have and like making the most of them. And I had one coach that was going to sign me, you know, full scholarship, pay for my books, pay for everything, like was just going to take me in because she loved me. And I was like, forget it. I'll just, I'll just sign with them because like, I'm going to regret it if I don't. And so I signed with them and, um, and I'm not telling this story to brag. I'm just telling this story to, um, emphasize like, sometimes what we think is a really bad idea or something we think is a really good idea, like going to this big Mm -hmm. institution and being a, you know, this big time person on campus, whatever. Like sometimes what we think is best for us isn't always what's best for us. So I was, I wanted to go to a bigger school. Um, three schools turned me down that I was really wanting to go to go to. And, um, for no explained reason, because I had better statistics than, um, a lot of players that they had signed. They just didn't want me for whatever reason. And even though I tried to, I, I, I tried not to take it personal, but I did. And so I had this coach that loved me. was like, come on, come now. I want you. And um, so I signed with them. In my first year, I was um, first team All-American. And my second year, I was a first team All-American. And at that point, that put me in a category with only, I think at the time, it was like 14 individuals in the history of the in, um um, the junior national junior college league that had ever done that one of like 14 and a lot came with that. I got a lot of school. I got a lot of offers after that. Um, but like this idea that I had that this, that I was too good to go to a junior college, like so many students have, um, I was wrong. I was very wrong. And me going there basically by default turned out to be one of the best experiences of my life. And, 
um, I just want to say to anybody who's thinking that they have to go to that big state college or they want to be in a certain conference because they like this certain team, like you, you don't <laughs> have to go twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars in debt to to go to college, and you know what college you go to does not determine who you are. It doesn't determine who you're going to be. And so I think that's really important to keep in mind because there are really expensive colleges out there and they look good on paper and they look awesome when you tour. Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a good experience because I had a much better experience at my junior college um, than I did at the University of Arkansas. And that was just my personality and the place I was at. So um, if somebody's listening and college, paying for college is going to be a stressor and you're going to have to take out money to go to college, or at least you think you are, um, or you think you're too good to go to a junior college or a more affordable school, I just want you to reconsider that. Because um, like I said, sometimes we don't know ahead of time what is best for us, even though we think we do. What is the, um, when, when does that process start like for scholarships? It sounds like a lot of people are leaving money on the table, but when, when would you actually want to start looking into the application of those things? Okay. So that's such a great question. Um, my son is turning uh, 10 this year and our local 4-H group, um, our, our co-op, they in Arkansas, actually, I think it's an Arkansas program, but they start doing competitions for scholarships at 10 years old and they may do it earlier than that. But I just know that this one particular scholarship that, um, it's something that my son would absolutely love to do anyways. And so I'm thinking like, if he could do it and place in the top three, he would get scholarship money. Um, there's a lot of things like, you know, pageants, anything agriculture, like you're showing, um, showing livestock, 4-H projects, stuff like that, um, the scholarships are already there and waiting for you to get them. Um, there's drawing contests if, if, for all ages. But when it gets down to the real academic stuff, that really starts mm-hmm. junior year. And because there's usually a period between um, like summer before senior year and summer after senior year that the scholarships are available and they don't all open and they don't all close at the same time, which is a good thing because, um, you, you know, while you're working on one, there may be another one opening up and there are so many, there are so many websites online for you to go and, and research those. But for me, what was the most valuable was the local scholarships because I had built a reputation in my community and a good reputation. Um, you could build a bad one and it's not <laughs> What are you saying now? Like, <laughs> like it, yeah, if you're a good, if you're, you know, if you're, you've done well and built a good reputation in your, in your community, there's a good mm-hmm. chance that there are people in your community that are giving out scholarships that would love to, um, love to invest in you and, um, put that, that money that they are donating towards somebody that they believe in. And so when it comes to that, I think reputation is huge. And that starts from a very young age and, uh, and how you show up in the community, how you show up at your, um, at your sporting events. I, I go to a lot of sporting events 
and I see I see players out there who knock somebody down and they help them up. And I'm like, oh, good character. I see a player knock somebody down and give them the death stare. And I'm like, not good character. Okay. So as a community member, I'm watching and I'm seeing and I'm seeing these these certain kids emerge as, as leaders and as, you know, maybe not the leader that will stand up and give a speech, but the one that is leading by example and who the people in the audience can look at and be like, gosh, that's a, that's a cool kid. Like, I like how he cheers for his teammates. I like how he helps somebody up when they get knocked down or, you know, maybe you're at school or maybe you're just in the community and you see this one person who keeps showing up and volunteering with a good attitude. And so that stuff starts from a very young age. My son is 10 and he's already at a bunch of community stuff, not because of scholarships, um, because he's not going to college. So um, he says, so, you know, we're not, we're not talking about that. Yeah, I know. I'm like, okay. He's like, I'm going to work with my dad. And I'm like, okay, like he might. And it's very possible that he will, but we're like, okay, well, let's just, my mom, my mom said, let's just keep that door open. (laughs) You know, he's, he's mm-hmm. 10 or he's almost 10, but like, he's already out yeah. there building a reputation for himself. And so parents, anytime that you have your kids out, you know, and they're getting to be of, of a decent age, nine, 10 years old, where they are starting to show their personality and their character, like how they act is important, not just for scholarships, but for their friendships, their relationships and their opportunities in the future. And, um, you know, that can be something as simple. And I just thought of this because uh, my dad and I took my son fishing a couple of days ago and this guy pulled his, put his boat in the water and he realized he had forgot his coffee in his truck. And it was early in the morning. He's mm-hmm. like, Oh shoot, I forgot my coffee. And, um, my dad was like, Oh, I'll hold, I'll hold your boat for you or whatever while you go get your coffee. And he's like, no, cause my dad was trying to unload our boat. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. And I was driving the truck and I told him, I was like, my son's not doing anything like he can do it. And so my son was like so excited to get to hold this guy's boat. So for my son, it really empowered him because he got to help somebody. And he told me later, he's like, it really made my day that I got to help that guy. And it, you know, obviously made me super proud as a parent, but like he showed up for this total stranger, um, to be helpful. And so we don't know, sometimes we could be doing that for somebody who's just going to wave at us and be nice to us when we see them in the future. Or this person could give out a, a you know, $5,000 scholarship every year and is just waiting for your son to, to be a senior, you know, because he helped that one time, yeah. you know, and that's definitely, um, as a parent, that's definitely never my motive, um, in, teaching him how to act and how to be. Um, but it is always my motive to teach him how to be a good kind person who's there to help others and to show up as somebody on this planet and, you know, to be just someone who's caring and helpful and always willing to help and to receive help at the same time. Cause the more we teach our kids to help, the more they're going to be willing to receive that in the future. Welcome to the intermission. There's a lot of uncertainty out there right now. For workers, family members. And the area of college education is also an area of uncertainty for people who are of generally college age or older. 
thinking of going to college. It may not look like it used to, but it's still important. And a big part of that is decision-making. Beginning a life where you're making decisions on your own for the first time. And these decisions are very important. All of our decision-making is incredibly important. This is a time to bolster your decisions and really think about them and execute them well. Think about that. Totally agree. I think it's it's a good lesson of uh, parenting and raising responsible, caring, loving uh, adult children at some point, you know. And but it's staggering. The you know you're telling me about the scholarship stuff, and I actually had heard of this. Like I was, I forgot who I was talking to. They were like, "There's a lot of scholarship money out Mm -hmm. there that just laying around," and it's a weird thing about us and human beings that we sometimes we know things are available, but then all of a sudden there's this lack of trying for it, mm-hmm. even though it's available. And right. I kind of equated to a lot of things in life. If you're consistent in something, you turn over every stone, good things will happen mm-hmm. for that. And actually I was, um, my, my daughter, uh, who's eight and we adopted her she's African-American and like myself, my, my wife is white. And I was kind of tell, telling my wife, I was like, we need to think about like HBCUs for Anna Rose, you know, historically black colleges and universities because they're like literally giving away money for mm-hmm. people to go to those schools. I said, honestly, I think it'd be a great option. And, you know, we don't need to spend a tremendous amount of money for her to go to mm-hmm. college. There's plenty of places that she can go for that have a great experience and they'll cost almost nothing. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, this could be an interesting opportunity for her. It was just something she never thought about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, I think there's a lot of these types of things out there. We just don't know or the general public doesn't know, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I mean, so any, any, um, if you are considered underprivileged in any way, so that could be even your parents didn't go to college, like your first generation college mm. student, it could be something like really? that. It could be your ethnicity. Um, like, uh, I used to teach English as a second language at our local high school. And, um, I just felt like people were like ready to throw money at them as soon as they like put forth some effort. And so, um, they, a lot of times did not feel worthy. They did not feel like they were deserving of the money. And so why would I try? I have not like, I, I, I'm not going to get it. So-and-so is so much smarter than me or this Hmm. person, like, They've been in so many more clubs than me. And sometimes that's not what scholarship um, committees are looking at. But yeah, if you have any um, being adopted is is great because there's people out there that were adopted and they're like, I want to help another adopted kid and I have money. That's what I want to do. Another thing is there's a lot of, wow. there are a lot of companies. Yeah, I know. Right. Like it's there. Like when parents. No <laughs> Yeah. And, and too, like when there's something special about you, you really want to play, play that up. And whether that is something that something tragic that happened to you or something that just makes you unique and sets you apart and makes you memorable. Like you want to seek out scholarships for that, but you also want to disclose that. Like if you are adopted, I mean, just because you brought that up, like you need to say that because a lot of people think it's really awesome 
that adoption is a really awesome thing. Like, I don't know of anybody who thinks it's a bad thing, honestly. Um, but everybody's like, oh my gosh, I don't either. So cool. <laughs> you're adopted, you know? And so if there's something about you that just really sets you apart, like you need to talk about that. Like, were your parents missionaries and you were actually born in Africa? Like, you need to talk about that because that may strike a chord with the scholarship committee. Um, but I think a lot of the problem is these, you know, and, and you know about this as much as anybody, but these limiting beliefs that um, yeah. they, they're really paralyzing and students are like, well, you know, some, somebody's better. There's a better option than me. And you and I have felt that same feeling before and maybe feeling um, like we, we weren't good enough or worthy or, you know, we couldn't size up to the competition. And like, that is not our decision to make. What we have to make the decision to do is to put ourselves out there and then let people know that we're there if they're interested. And so that's what the same thing with scholarships is, you know, realizing what is unique and special about you. And that can be really hard when you're, when you're the person, but a lot of times our parents know and our friends know, and our teachers, like, um, there's students who write poet poetry and it's phenomenal. And the teachers will submit the student's writing because the student won't because that might look like conceited or like yeah. braggy or something. So I'm not going to put my poem out there, but the teacher will and get that student exposure. And then, you know, then they're a published poet, you know, and that looks good on scholarship applications. So I think it's just really um, tapping into what makes you special and then like keep turning over the stones. Like you mentioned, like you're, I promise you, you're not going to get a scholarship that you don't apply for. Guaranteed. <laughs> it's true. And that's what people are like, oh, college is so expensive. How many scholarships did you apply for? Um, my mom told me, uh, which I went, my tuition, books and tuition were paid for um, my first two years, or yeah, my first two years of college, but I wanted to live by myself in an apartment. And, um, which again, looking back, seems like a terrifying thing. Like, I'm really surprised she let me do that. But she told me, like, if you get enough money in scholarships and your scholarships can pay for you to live by yourself in an apartment, like, that's that's fine. Like, I trust you to do that. Um, but you you have to be the one that finds the money for it. And so I was, like, on it. Like, I wanted to live by myself because I couldn't imagine living with a roommate. Um and so I, I worked my butt off and I got enough scholarships to, you know, my athletic scholarship covered my books and tuition. And then all my other scholarships covered my apartment, electricity, water, food, gas, and everything else so that I didn't have to pay. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to pay a penny my first two years. And I did have to pay a little out of pocket. I cash flowed more of my second two years. Interesting. Now, what are the resources? Like you mentioned these scholarships. And I think people will listen, they'll go, wow, this is great. Mm -hmm. Where do I find this? Or is there like a, a bank of resources, uh, uh, online internet resources that people can go to that they could find that? How does that, mm -hmm. how does that work? Right. So first I would start with local and those come from your counselors. The school counselors have, um, okay. and at our school, there was a, um, a big wall with a bunch of envelopes in it. And it was a scholarships. And so you just went in there and you got your application and you typically had to write an essay or whatever. So that's where I want to, I would want you to start because there is so much less competition locally. So you apply for a local scholarship. You may be one of like 20 applicants. 
you apply for a state scholarship, you might be one of a thousand applicants. If you apply for a national uh, scholarship, you may be one of a hundred thousand applicants. And so it's easy to get lost right. in that. So even though your local scholarships may be smaller, um, that is where you have to start. You have to start there because um, they are easier to get. They're kind of like the the low hanging fruit. And like I said, if you have built good connections previous to this, when the scholarship committee is looking through the names, they're going to be like, oh, um, you know, like, oh, there's Joe Beth. Yeah, I remember uh, I remember her seeing seeing her at that uh, thing, uh, Thanksgiving dinner that they hosted for the homeless. Like, I remember seeing her there, um, which is something I did. Yeah. Um, once again, not for scholarships because I wasn't didn't even have that on my mind because you know, I thought I was going to play for LSU, um, all through school. So I wasn't worried about right. any scholarships other than my athletic abilities. Um, but like building those connections, people in community are going to know you and have more of a relationship with you and fight harder for you on a committee than somebody on a national or state level would. So start locally, then move to state, see what state scholarships are out there. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Arkansas has a lottery scholarship that will just about pay for most of your tuition. So if you qualify, and so part of the qualifications is having a minimum ACT score and a minimum GPA, and neither one of them are all that impressive. Like you need to show up and be decent <laughs> right. in school to get it. Like it's not hard. Yeah. Um, I was not the best academically and I got that easily. I knew go ahead of time what the requirements were and made sure I met them. So that's something that um, students and parents need to be aware of. So then when you start looking at um, well, you're looking at the, the state scholarships like that one, which, you know, I think are on like the Arkansas Department of Education or whatever your state is, um, Department of Education. You look there, then you need to look at the college you're going to and seeing what scholarships you can get there. There might be a work study program. Um, you might be able to actually work on campus, which is an awesome option. Because it, you know, you're, you're, if you're living there, you're working there, you're going to school there, you're not running around spending money on gas, and it's most likely going to be a very consistent job for you. Maybe giving campus tours or being a secretary or working in the cafeteria or something like that. Um, would, those are options you need to look at, plus the scholarships that specific college offers in those specific departments. So looking at the, the scholarships offered by department. So um, there might be an agriculture, incoming agriculture scholarship for one student to get books their first year or something. Just you have to look for those. Then you moved, moved to the national level where, you know, all the students are competing and you have school. I mean, just about every big company is offering a scholarship. And typically they are um, essay scholarships. So you have to write an essay to get the scholarship, which means you have to be a really good writer. Um, and some students dismiss that quickly because they're tired of writing. They don't want to write another paper. They're, they've been writing papers for the past, you know, 10 years. They're done. But yeah. that can mean thousands of dollars, and it could be the quickest, easiest money you ever make in your life. Um, write, a, write an essay and get 10000 Like, that doesn't typically happen as adults. So take advantage of it now. So <laughs> start yeah. looking at your bigger companies. Where do your parents work? Um, if your parents like here, are Tyson's, we have Tyson's and Walmart here, here locally. Um, if you have like a lot of my students had awesome immigration stories where they're, they're able to live a life here because, 
um, their parents are able to work at Tyson's or, you know, Walmart, you know, your parents are employed at Walmart and through Walmart, you've, you know, your parents have got to, you know, have a steady income for the first time in their life or something. So you start looking at what is, um, you know, companies that you have a connection to. And then maybe you just really love Dr. Pepper and you want to um, apply for that scholarship. And so I think I, I would say most of them are, are you have to write an essay because that's the only way you're going to stand out. So and then that is just research. So then it, it's just research. And you can go to these companies' homepages. Um, you can just type in like, Dr. Pepper high school scholarship or college scholarship or, mm-hmm. um, and there are databases like, I think it's like scholarships.com, um, that you can go to and find what, um, scholarships are available, available there. And that takes a lot of sorting out, <clears throat> excuse me, because, um, you know, there's some wonky requirements sometimes like you have yeah. to live in like Northeast Indiana and you're like, well, shoot, I just read that, wrote that wrote that essay and didn't realize that I had to be from Indiana, you know? So it gets a little, you have to be, pay more attention when you get to that level. But yeah, whoever told you that the money was laying around is absolutely 100% on point because it is. And the reason it's just laying there is because students are not taking advantage of it. It's incredible that the amount of opportunities available for funding are there and we're just not taking advantage of it or just because not wanting to do the work really, you know, just to sift through the internet or whatever is available and say, let's just go through this and be, you know, kind of this tedious work uh, Mm -hmm. is part of it. But I wanted to get into, um, now this is like, there's a other aspect, like obviously I've had a couple of your clients on my podcast And I would love to know how you got into that and representing people with PR and, you know, working with them in the media. That seems like a very different thing, you know? Oh, it is so different. You know, um, I'm a believer, you know, you talked about turning over stones and that's something that I, I believe very hard in that when we're looking, we want good things to happen to us, whether that's making more money or meeting the right people, um, whatever it is, we have to be the ones out there taking action. And so, um, originally when I first started looking into coaching, I, like I mentioned, I, I got addiction recovery, harm reduction and life coaching. I did them all close to the same time. And when I called, um, I just happened to get Callie, Dr. Callie Estes on the phone, which is, was just by chance anyways. But, um, Crazy. I was like, I was like, Hey, like, and I didn't realize I was talking to like the owner and CEO of the company. Like I didn't know that or I probably would have approached it a little different. <laughs> but at the time I was starting to work on my doctorate degree, which I didn't like, didn't like, I, I didn't go forward with it because I didn't see um, the value that it was going to hold for me personally and what I was wanting to move forward with. Mm-hmm. So I, I put it on hold, but she was like, this is Dr. Cowley. And like, I, like I had done no research. I just called the company because I wanted to find out more about the training. And I was like, Dr. Cowley, I was like, what's your degree in? (laughs) And she was like, like she was, I mean, you could tell she was almost like, you obviously didn't do any research before you called me. Um, but she was (laughs) like, uh, psychology. And I was like, okay. I was like, I was just wondering. And, and then the more she talked, I was like, um, 
who owns this? Like I could tell that she was maybe more than just the phone answer. And she was like, um, I do. And I was like, Oh, okay. So we started talking and she was like, so what do you do now? And I was like, well, I teach public speaking at the university of Arkansas, which is, um, my main, my main job right now. And, um, she was like, Oh, I need help with public speaking, which she's phenomenal. But her, like a lot of high achievers, she just wants to be, she wants to level up. And so I was like, Oh, okay. And she's like, well, um, once you get this class done and you, you know, you get some of this stuff past year or whatever that you're wanting to work on, she's like, why don't you call me and let's do some public speaking stuff. And I was like, sure. Like I would, I would love to help you or whatever. And we just kind of hit it off. Um, we're like, um, total opposites. And so that worked really well for her and for me. And so, um, I took my classes and I called her and so it started out with some public speaking stuff. She would do some I would do public speaking training with her and then she would, you know, help me with some of my um, college success coaching stuff business as well. And so then we kind of got into um, podcasting. She was like, I want to be on more podcast. And so I started booking her on podcast. And so, um, you know, and if you're an incredible person like she is and you have an awesome story and you're easy to talk to, it's, it's easy to book you. You just have to have the right, the right skills to do that. And so she, she hired me to start doing her PR for her. And, um, (laughs) then I, you know, it was, we were very successful with it right off the bat. And as I was booking her, I had somebody else be like, uh, what you're doing is incredible. Like I would love somebody to do that for me. And so I picked up another client. And so my degree is in communications. Naturally, I love talking to people and, um, I get energy from other people and, um, I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts anytime I'm in the vehicle, um, or, you know, doing dishes or any mindless activity really. Um, and so I was like, Oh, I know of a lot of podcasts. Like I know, like, I don't know the inside of this industry, but I know the outside of it. And so like, I can learn the inside and we can do this. And so, you know, that's how I ended up meeting you again, just putting myself out there and being willing to experience new things that maybe weren't part of my agenda, which, you know, goes back to my, my, my first couple years of college have ended up, ended up going to college somewhere that, um, I didn't think was a good fit for me really proved to me early on in my career that, that I just, it's just my job to show up a hundred percent, be authentically myself and work my butt off and things, the opportunities are going to come. And that is how, um, how I found Allison or Allison. Yeah. You, you, you have, you talked to Allison too. Um, Allison. I and definitely Callie. talked to Allison. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I haven't listened to that yet. Um, but I, um, I've talked to Allison enough to know that that probably went pretty deep, pretty fast. Um, she's oh, phenomenal. went very deep, very quickly. <laughs> and uh, hers comes out on Monday. I think it's Monday. And uh, man, she just blew me away with like the domino thinking and, mm-hmm. you know, looking at both sides of the equation. And I was like, Joe Beth has some heavy hitting people. Like they're mm-hmm. incredible to talk to. And and I often I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of PR people pretty regularly these days as the show grows. And so it's interesting to see how different PR people like who they bring to the table, how they feel this person will come across on a podcast. And uh, I have to say your people have been phenomenal. So, well, let me say this. So part of that is taking on people who you believe in yourself. And I think that's where a lot mm-hmm. of PR companies um get it wrong 
is they take on whoever will write them a check. And um, I am a firm believer in these strong, fierce women who have something to say and something that the world needs to hear and um, that they they believe strongly in, in their mission and their voice. And, you know, with an emphasis on that strong, fiery woman because that is Callie and that is Allison. And so I think part of being successful in, in this, um, this area is knowing, um, who you can hit it out of the park with. And for me, that has been Allison and Callie. They've been a great, a great start for that. And it's so fun because it's fun to talk to you and be like, dang, (laughs) that was incredible. And, um, wow. Like, cause I mean, you, after you talk to, um, Callie, you're just like, you're kind of just in shock that she's even half of what she is. No, not even half, like just a small fraction of who she is today. Um, and then you look at Allison and you're like, you're thinking thoughts that you've never thought before in your life. And that's what, um, uh, people, um, thought leaders want. We want to think new thoughts and to have people who elevate us and help us to think those new thoughts. Yeah, they're incredible people. And uh, I'm just kind of getting introduced a lot more often to, you know, PR folks. I've always, I've kind of known PR folks from much, very large agencies in my past and uh, with people I've worked with. And then now kind of more on the podcasting level and Mm -hmm. and people are are very willing to put their clients out there in the podcasting space. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting, you know, of the people that approach me for that. And just the willingness that people have to tell their stories and yeah. to be open, like Callie, especially, you know, the stories of um, celebrity addiction counseling and um, the honesty, the raw honesty and her approach mm-hmm. towards that. I thought was really good. Allison, just her, her thinking, uh, you know, both sides of the equation. You know, we had like this crazy discussion on like uh, males who are raped, mm-hmm. like who talks about that? Nobody, you know, I mean, like nobody has these discussions and, uh, I think that's, I think it's important to have those type of discussions and to look at the other side of the coin versus just having this one-sided conversation where everybody just agrees all the time on things. And, and my thing is like, I just want to listen and hear people's different points of views. Doesn't mean that I endorse it. It just means that I, I think it's important that they get it out there. Mm-hmm. And then people can make their own opinions about whatever they think. But I enjoy having the platform and there's the conversations that we can have because more conversations you have with people, the better you're learning, you're sharpening your sword and you're growing. And right. uh, those are just, they're just two great people. You're great. I mean, it's all good. It's all a great <gasps> journey for me, you know? Yeah. And, and um, I have to say, like, I've, I've heard a lot of interviews, obviously, um, with my clients and, and then, you know, not my clients as well through just listening to podcasts. And, um, I think that, um, your approach in asking questions, I think a lot of people can learn from because we've been on a lot of podcasts where, um, maybe we didn't get to talk about things that we felt like were valuable for the world to know. And I think Mm -hmm. that you do a really great job of just, um, organically, bringing out those, those, the right questions and, um, providing the right opportunities for people to share your, your phenomenal, what you're doing. 
Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Well, I think this has been extremely informative. You know, one of the things I pride myself in is being able to bounce around to different topics. I mean, Mm -hmm. before we talked, I was on a call with the lady who's going to be on, and she's going to be talking about the scandal of the Catholic Church and female priests. And like, and then all of a sudden we bounce over to your discussion. We're talking about (laughs) college entrance. And, you know, I mean, like, that's a swing. I like having, yeah, I'm all about the swings, man. Like I will, I will go anywhere, literally anywhere. And, but I think it's important for me. I, I know a little bit about a lot of things, but I also am willing to explore areas that people are unwilling to mm-hmm. discuss. And there has to be a place for that, for people to discuss that. I mean, I, this is going to sound crazy, but like, I, I just released a podcast in conjunction with Dr. Callie's you know, hers was great celebrity addiction counseling. And then the counter to that, I, the next one I released today was on ending sexual dysfunction. And in that conversation, seriously, there was a conversation about vaginal flushing. What do I know right. about that? I mean, I, like, I wouldn't think anything. I don't know what your doctor yeah, said. How would I know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, yeah, you might not know. No, but, um, but I was willing to go there. And the great thing about it was that she was so excited that I was willing to even have the discussion because she said, I've talked to so many podcast guests and they're just not willing, a uh, host, they're not willing to even have the discussion, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it makes them uncomfortable to have these discussions. Maybe this is so far out of bounds of what they're used to. Even if it's so far out of bounds for me, I still want to know about it. I mean, I'm interested in it, you know, so. Right, right. And you're giving people the platform to share. And I think that think that that's, that's really, really important. And you not taking, taking a hard stance in any direction and just being like, this is no. a platform for you to share and for you to um, express whatever idea that, that, that you're wanting to share. I think it's, I think it's so good and, and incredible for you too, because um, there's definitely subjects that not just males, but male or females just aren't willing to talk about. And it's, it's cool that you're able to do that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just grateful for uh, everybody who's on. Thank you so much for your time, Joe Beth, and for um, referring your wonderful clients to the show as well. I look forward to all three conversations being out. Dr. Callis is out today. So everyone definitely check that out. And uh, thanks again, Joe Beth. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You got it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, radio has been called theater of the mind. So let's tell a story with sound effects. Wow, it's like I was in the story. Almost makes me forget this was supposed to be about saving big with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.